is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. By the way, I want to welcome our brand-new affiliate, WNMR. That's N as in Nancy, M as in Mary. NMRFM in Plattsburgh, New York. It's actually a Plattsburgh slash Burlington, Vermont. It's a brand new FM station that's coming on board for every single weeknight of the uh, program, which is great news. So welcome aboard to all of our Plattsburgh slash Burlington area uh, listeners to WNMR 107.1. Our number here, 800-259-9231. That, again, is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Last night when we started the show, and uh, Julia, by the way, joining me tonight. Hello there. Oh, I should turn on your mic, shouldn't I? Shame on me. I turned on mic two, not three. Uh, So Julia is here. Try that again. Hello. (laughs) And uh, we're going to take your calls about anything, as we always do. Uh, Let's start out with a story that we never actually completed last night. We did get into the details on a brand new federal program that is going to be giving police departments, and already has, some financing to train them on how to draw blood, to turn police officers, many of whom are dangerous, rogue, sadistic, twisted cops, into phlebotomists. What's a phlebotomist? Ah, well, a phlebotomist is one who is trained to draw blood. So the people that, uh, when you're in a hospital or at some place in which they have someone employed to draw blood, they are a phlebotomist. That is essentially their job title. And so there's some phlebotomy training that those people have to go through. They're putting the cops through a much shorter version since they don't have to know things like how to draw from an infant or how to draw from someone's foot, things like that. So they're getting the the most basic training on how to draw blood from people in the event that they believe that you have been drinking. What? Yeah. So, you know, they're just trying to keep you safe, Julia. uh, They're just out there looking to keep those drunk drivers off the roads, and if they believe that you've been drinking, uh, and if they're participating in this federal program, now, not all departments are yet. It's not up here in New Hampshire. It's not probably where you are, but it's starting to... It's They're in a test pilot program right now in Idaho and also in Texas. And so if you're in one of those two places, then you are at risk. And it's going to likely spread from here on out. I mean, presuming they have success, and I, I'm sure they'll classify success on how uh, whether or not they've been sued and successfully sued for uh, invasively drawing people's blood from them, forcing them to give their blood. I'd like to point out, this is this will not be an option for you. So if you're pulled over and they think they have reasonable suspicion that you have been drinking and you refuse to take the breathalyzer, they may very well put you in handcuffs, take you down to the station, and draw your blood. And I don't know if that means that they're going to sit on you, put you in a jail cell until they get the test results back, or what will be done with you in between the time they figure out what's in your blood and when they draw it. I don't know how long that process takes. I don't imagine they've got the uh, facilities on hand in order to do that sort of testing. So what will they end up doing with you? I don't know. That remains to be seen. How many departments will end up taking part in this particular process? I don't know that either. But either way, it's very disturbing and something you should keep a, keep a lookout for. Now, it was William Grigg over at LewRockwell.com that was uh, was talking about that, pointing out that it's a pretty scary idea to be pinned down and jabbed with a syringe by a uniformed lummox, as he puts it out, uh, that 
this, uh, you know, the specter is intended to extort cooperation with breath tests, and they're probably going to get it. I mean, if uh, people have been informed, as we've said on this show, and many lawyers, many attorneys have informed their clients, hey, don't give in to the breathalyzer. You can't actually benefit, especially if you're drunk, by giving in to the breathalyzer test. So lawyers have told their clients to not give in at all and just refuse and take whatever consequences come from refusing because the consequences from refusing are less than those of failing the breathalyzer. Haven't you been given similar advice uh, in the past by a law Um, enforcement officer? Not exactly. I had a cop friend once who told me to refuse uh, a regular breathalyzer, not the... I didn't know anything about the syringe, but he basically said that you'll get in a lot more trouble for DUI than you will for refusing to take a breathalyzer. Right. That's exactly what people have been told. That's a, that's what attorneys have told people. There ha- there hasn't really been a syringe option up until now. Uh, so now they're bringing that into into the picture and they're looking at forcing people to do that. But how frightening. I mean, the idea that the uh, the intimidating, scary police officers that many people have encountered will now be wielding a needle. But that's not where the sadism and sickness ends, according to uh, Greg. He says, besides, for uh, police personnel with a salient streak of sadism, a personality type that tends to be overrepresented in law enforcement, it's just fun. Well, there are other ways for sadists in blue to get their kicks, he says, such as gratuitously pepper-spraying retirement-age women. Darren Charpentier, who'd been with the police force in Golden Meadow, Louisiana for two years, was recently fired after he managed to provoke a confrontation with 61-year-old Jennifer Calais over the window tinting on her second-hand Ford pickup. Charpentier had actually, or maybe it's Charpentier, had, had actually hassled Ms. Calais over the matter twice. The first time, he chased her into the parking lot of her home and spoke to her threateningly when she and her husband called the state police. The officer called for backup, but no tissue, uh, ticket was issued. A few days later, Charpentier noticed Ms. Calais during a traffic stop involving another motorist. When the lady suggested going to town hall to discuss the situation with Charpentier's supervisor, the, the officer bellowed, You don't tell me what to do! situation rapidly degenerated from there. Ms. Calais' foot slipped on a brake pedal, causing her car to lurch forward about a foot. When Charpentier thrust himself through her driver's side window, Ms. Calais reached for her cell phone to call for help. The officer, who reportedly weighed more than 300 pounds, handcuffed one of the woman's wrists and tried to drag her from the vehicle, then violently twisted her arm behind her back. "'You're hurting me!' protested the helpless 61-year-old woman. That's what pain is for, sneered Officer Charpentier, who really needs to get his back dirty. Ms. Calais, who understandably was in fear for her life, continued to put up what resistance she could and was thus twice pepper sprayed by Officer Charpentier. She was eventually charged with aggravated battery, resisting arrest, violence to a police officer, and disturbing the peace. After being released on a $5,000 bond, Ms. Calais, supported by several family members and friends, told her story to the town council. Several others came forward to relate similar stories of their encounters with Charpentier, whose abusive and sadistic nature were apparently well-known amongst town, uh, town members. The officer was terminated by a unanimous vote of the council. I want to apologize to all of you, declared one of the councilmen, who made the motion to bring about the belated but welcome termination of the officer. Y'all elected me to protect you. In this case, the council members were tragically tardy in carrying out their duty to protect their community from the police. Now, how often do you get an ending like that to one of these stories? Can 
generally, can city councils just vote to fire police officers? Because that doesn't seem very likely in um, all cases. I, well, no, probably not in all cases. I know that here in Keene, New Hampshire, the city council can hire and fire the city manager, and the city manager is in charge of hiring and firing every other bureaucrat. So they should be able to say, okay, city manager, fire this police officer. Now, how easy is it to fire a police officer? How easy is it to fire any government bureaucrat without risking them filing some sort of lawsuit to try to guarantee them the job for the rest of their lives? I don't know how difficult that process is. And like you say, is it possible in all places? Probably not. Uh, you know, all the all the municipal the municipalities have different rules, so check your local uh, regulations to find out if you can read that crap. I have a tough time myself. But how often does it end that way? How often does a story of police abuse, an obvious story of police hurting people, actually turn out where the officer gets fired? Just doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. I mean, it's like 99% of the time... I think that the factor here was that the woman was 61. If it had been, you know, 24-year-old Julia that had been tasered or pepper sprayed uh, for sassing back a police officer, I mean, this woman basically, the, the cop got pissed at her because she wanted to t- go down to the police station while he was harassing her. She took issue with it and said, let's go talk to your supervisor. And he got angry, and then she lurched the car forward, and he got even angrier. So if it had been you, Julia, do you think that uh, this would have gotten as far? Probably not. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, and, well, it's nice to see a positive result once in a while. Too bad this woman had to be pepper sprayed in order to make it happen. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Morsels. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. A balanced diet is important, but so is the occasional treat. Working with your kids to bake a dessert from scratch helps them to appreciate it even more, and it keeps them from resenting having to eat their veggies every other day. Plus, baking is a perfect excuse to spend time with your kids, since just being together is a treat. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And just try that again. Man, you are not good at this radio thing. I am not good at this radio thing. You'd think I'd get it after 10 years. And Julia? 1-800-259-9231. Very sleepy Julia, who got up from her nap just to be on the show today. So thank you for that. Uh, Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. But first, I want to tell you about the Free State Project. You want a good uh, good chance, the best chance, in my opinion, at achieving liberty in your lifetime? Then you should probably be here in New Hampshire, or at the very least making plans to move here as part of the Free State Project to join hundreds of and soon thousands of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people who've come here and will be coming here in order to get active and to achieve liberty in their lifetimes. Head over to freestateproject.org to learn more. That's freestateproject.org. And don't forget to join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where you'll enjoy all the features for free. Let's go to Dan in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Dan in New Hampshire. Yes, I I just moved. I moved a month ago, actually. Oh wow! Congratulations. Uh, to where did you move? To New Hampshire. I'm in the. I'm in. I'm in the Seacoast region. Fantastic. Now, what was it that uh, I presume you are a Free State Project uh, participant? That's right. And what was it that made you decide to make the move? 
because I felt like if I didn't move, it would get harder to move as I stayed in Kentucky, my former location. Now, why is that? Well, the longer you stay, you might get a girlfriend, you might get uh, uh, good friends, you might get a better job, things like that. That's a good point. I think that uh, there are some people that should take that under advisement. If they have the ability to move sooner rather than later, it's less likely, uh, or it's it's more likely, you're right, that the longer they stay where they are, the more strings they'll have tying them down, making it more difficult uh, to move later on down uh, down the road. And certainly there are plenty of women here in New Hampshire, so you might as well move here now and uh, get your girlfriend up here. And then not have to drag her <laughs> to New Hampshire. Or, or vice uh, yeah. versa. There are also some ladies uh, that are trying to convince their husbands or boyfriends uh, to, oh, to yeah. make the move as well. So okay, con- congratulations and, uh, and welcome. What's the, what is the activism type that is uh, most exciting to you? What do you want to get involved in? Well, I don't know about exciting, but I'm, I'm interested in education, uh, okay. trying to promote uh, market education over uh, coercive education. Great. It's one of the important things. I mean, we're going to have to bring other people to the understanding of what liberty is and why it's important in order to get to where we want to go. At least in my case, I want to get to a voluntary society. Many of the other free staters want to get to a, a small government world where government is very, very restricted. But in either case, uh, there's a lot of educating that uh, that needs to be done, and it can be done in different ways. It can be done mm-hmm. by uh, building relationships with the people that you encounter throughout your life and and then just slowly kind of slipping in messages of freedom to them. Julia is, uh, is very good uh, at doing that, in many cases with coworkers and, and friends. But I- I want to promote um, changing the the public education system. That's what I want to do. Excellent. Well, changing I, it so it's um, actually promoting private education, maybe homeschooling, other issues. So that way, uh, people would actually control what their kids were learning and things like that. Absolutely. So, I, I think uh, yeah. that uh, one of the effect, one of the most effective ways to do that, of course, is to get out and con- con- uh, to create your own media. And that's one of the things that people have been pretty good at so far here in New Hampshire. The early activists that have made the move here, as well as some of the New Hampshire locals, have started to generate the. I think the what is the most the highest concentration of liberty-oriented media that the movement has ever seen. There's some good liberty media out there, but we've got most of it here in New Hampshire, and it's all yeah. concentrated here. So uh, if that's yeah. not happening out on the, the seacoast, you might want to consider you know, getting involved with the local cable access station or seeing if you can get on a local radio station or something like that, or start up your own newspaper. I mean, those are all options. Of course, then there's the, uh, the easier solutions, which are writing letters to the editor and that sort of thing. And these yeah. are things that anybody can do anywhere. You don't have to be in New Hampshire to go down to a local cable access channel and, and start your own show. Um, and I actually wrote a letter to the Keen Sentinel when I was in Kentucky, and it got published. Very cool. It's it's that so, easy. I mean, these these yep. guys are looking for good content, and if you can provide it, they're going to put it uh, they're going to put it out there. Congratulations on your move. Anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, I had a it, um, just a point of discussion, I guess, and that's uh, when Gene the anarchist or Gene the Christian anarchist called in. And he talked about collectivism. Yes, sir. And I, I've thought about, it, and I think that it's it's okay to be collectivist when you're talking about a free association, people who freely associate and are free to dissociate at any time. What does collectivist mean to you? Because for me, last night, I uh, found out that it didn't mean what I thought it meant. Oh, it doesn't? What does it mean to you? Well, it means uh, thinking of group people in groups and uh, giving people in a group all of a trait 
and uh, and not being able to see people's individuals. That's what I thought a collectivist was. Yeah, and that's kind of what I always thought. Um, and maybe there is a definition like that somewhere, but it's not being it's not being shown to me at uh, at dictionary dot com. Um, the the definition there is the political principle of centralized social and economic control, especially of all means of production. So it's kind of it's it sounds almost oh, synonymous so to socialism. Hmm? Yes. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, I think it's okay to talk about a group if it's a free association, if it's something that people can associate with and dissociate from. Uh, Fair enough. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. There's got to be another word out there, too. Maybe we're just uh, all missing it. If you've got a better word uh, that describes that rather than having to go through the the sentence, uh, call in and and let us know. And thank you, Dan, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we've had uh, we've had somebody calling in over the uh, throughout the past week been, who's been kind of critical, uh, trying to corner us. And it's certainly possible to corner us. We've made mistakes and we've been wrong, and we've admitted that uh, that we've been wrong before. And he's actually uh, back on the line. I think George is in Arizona. You're back on Free Talk Live. Hello, George. Hey guys. George, um, what's on your mind tonight? I've got some. I guess I just got a suggestion. Um, you guys do a pretty good um, ignorant white person voice. Um, I was going to make some suggestions. Maybe you could do like an ignorant inner city black person voice or an ignorant Mexican voice um, just to kind of switch it up a little bit. Because um, you, you do the, the ignorant white person voices. It's pretty good. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Should you do that? I mean, just, just so you're not singling out one group. Well, I can't say that I really have much experience with ignorant um, black people or ignorant Hispanics, so I don't know if I are would. You, and when you say ignorant, are you are you suggesting the uh, kind of a redneck voice? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because every time like you bring up like something that's um, you know an ignorant belief, like you know something, it's normally associated with like let's go bomb the rest of the world. Um, you you go into like kind of like a southerner, maybe like a Texan type yeah. of voice. See, I was born and raised um, down uh, down in the south, and so I kind of came across all that. I'm sure if I were born and raised uh, up here in uh, the New England area, I'd be able to do an ignorant New Englander accent, whatever that sounds like. I don't, you know, I don't know what that would be. I, I'm not very good no at book. affecting. I'm not very good. I'm I'm sort of familiar to some extent with the way that you know that there's that very heavy uh, New England accent. I don't know if that's. I don't know if necessarily all rednecks are ignorant or all people with a heavy New England accent are also, but uh, I'm just not as good at affecting things I haven't had experience with. Thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So with a redneck voice, it doesn't take much effort for me because it just kind of comes naturally. I've just been around that enough. You know what I'm saying? 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
1-800-259-9231. You can join us online. We've got a bulletin board system with over 490,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, and it's all totally free at bbs.freetalklive.com. And don't forget that you can get a free audiobook download by visiting audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. You can choose from over 60,000 titles in every genre. They've got it covered at Audible. And audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. So to get your free audiobook download, you need to go to this link. It's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL, like Free Talk Live audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. We continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Jeff in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Ian. How are you doing tonight? Super. What's on your mind tonight? Well, Ian, you know, I've been thinking about something lately, and it's a position that uh, Mark typically takes, and that's about the validity of government or the need for a minarchist-type government. Okay, minarchist meaning a very small, restricted, limited government. That's the one. And I've come to the conclusion, as much as I hate to admit it, that Mark is right. Why is that? Well, think about it. We're always being told that, I say we, and I hate to say that as a collective term, but I'm always being told by people, as are other people who share my opinion, that we need to use government. We need to stay within the system and and use the system, right? I'm yes, sure we are that told before. that, yes. Although I was told today that I should not uh, get involved in the system on one particular issue, and that is marijuana decriminalization. That was, was very confusing to me. I was told that by someone who encouraged me to get involved in the system before. Anyway, go ahead with your thoughts. Well, here, here's my thought, and, and this is this is where I think where the rubber really meets the road to Finnegan. I had this epiphany the other day, and this epiphany was that how do you, how do you shrink the size of government by writing more law? I don't think that can really be done. See, neither do I, and this is my epiphany. I think if minarchists really mean what they say, they need to advocate for one thing and one thing only, and that is to replace the sections of code that deal with the law with one word, and that word would be repeal. And then I'll be on board with the minarchists. What do you think? All right, so so you're saying that you're saying that you think there should be a very small government and that that they should just repeal the existing laws. Isn't that what they're proposing? Isn't that what most minarchists well, want to do? No, not, not necessarily. There, there's plenty of code that's being proposed, but it's not eliminating code. It's adding to the code. So, for example, there's H.R. 1207, which is the bill to audit the Fed, and, of course, as is the case with every other piece of bloated legislation that they like to sign in, there's bits and pieces being tucked in there by everybody. I think it would be far more efficient to repeal the code that established the Fed rather than auditing it. I mean, let's face it, we all know the Fed's corrupt and they're doing a terrible job of uh, managing monetary policy. Okay, so you're talking about on you're talking about on a federal level then. Uh, Absolutely. Where... I think on all levels, actually, instead of, instead of writing more code and adding to the code, Let's just get the minarchists to do what they say they really want to do, which is shrink government. And okay, shrink all right. Government. Well, okay, I'm going to address two different kind of levels here. Let's talk first about the federal level. I completely agree with you. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that Ron Paul, who's a, a relatively principled dude, is out there promoting this, well, let's just audit the Fed thing. Of course, 
the people supporting this will point out that, well, it's just a first step. We need to have the audit go, uh, done first before we can show people that the Fed is bad. Uh, you know, not everybody knows the Fed is bad, so we need to have this audit done to prove to them that it's bad, and then we can move forward with uh, doing something else, which, of course, inevitably, is, as uh, you're saying, will probably not involve repealing anything, but just involve changing the rules around, although Ron Paul might tell you that he would like to someday see the Fed go away. Uh, does that mean he wouldn't want to replace it with some other organization or give some other government bureaucracy a, a responsibility? I don't know. I'm not Ron Paul. I can't speak for him. But on a yep. lo- more local level, um, for instance, here in New Hampshire, there was a medical marijuana provision that they're working on. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about, where the liberty activists will laud something like medical marijuana as a step in the right direction, and I'll agree with them that, yeah, making it so somebody who's sick can get their hands on uh, marijuana and use it as medicine in a legal way without having to worry about being arrested, yeah, I think that's, that is truly a step in the right direction, and I think that auditing the Fed is a, is a fine thing. I don't think it's really going to lead to anything significant because I don't think you can do much to change the federal government, which is why I'd just rather focus on the, the more localized issue. But why create an entire government bureaucracy to regulate the medical marijuana? I mean, that's what the proposal is that's on the table up here. And it's not like that all all around the country. But generally, the medical marijuana legislation is more legislation. It's more uh, blah 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 uh, added onto the books, whereas what they could simply do is decriminalize possession of marijuana, remove all of those laws from the books, and then that'll be that. But the minarchists will say, well, that's too big of a jump. That'll be their argument there. Well, and, and that's just the thing. And, and similar, like what I would see happening at the federal level, and I'll go back to that example of H.R. 1207, what I would see happening in, in order to execute that plan, if it is in fact signed in the law, a committee is going to need to be formed, hearings will need to be held, money is going to need to be spent, and authority to do that is going to be, well, declared into existence. And I don't see how that is actually doing anything to shrink government. And I understand, and I honestly do believe that Dr. Paul is a man of character who means what he says, but the problem lies in the mechanism of execution. Government can only grow. Whenever you add code, somebody has to administer it, somebody has to oversee it, and somebody has to pay for it. And unfortunately... So somebody who has to pay for it is typically, you know, the people deemed as the taxpayer or the people. And despite the good intention, the end result is the same. You end up with more government. Would you say that uh, you would be more... Like I said, my epiphany was that the only way to shrink government is to replace those words of code with the word repeal. Because I, would... I like you, I don't believe that... A revolution is the answer. We need to evolve out of our current state of governance. And also, like you, I've come to realize that violence is not the answer. We are not going to get to a state of peace by using violence. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I think that's one of the most important conclusions I've come to personally in my, in my own belief system is you, know, you have to be the change you wish to see in the world. If we want to see peace, if we want to see people acting peacefully towards their peaceful neighbor instead of threatening them with being put in a cage or whatever uh, for smoking a joint or whatever the uh, non-violent, non-criminal offense is, then we have to start uh, using peaceful means to achieve our goals. I completely agree with you. But my question yep. for you, Jeff, is 
as far as the minarchists are concerned, I am totally in agreement with you that they uh, they pussyfoot around. They take the babiest they they put out they put forth the babiest little wimpiest proposals, and then they cross their fingers and they hope that they can get some uh, some advancement because they believe that in order to make change happen within the political system, they have to water things down. They have to uh, essentially compromise in order to get to where they want to go. But would it please you? Would the minarchist types please you better as somebody who is now uh, an advocate of minarchy? Uh, would they please you if they were offering maybe more uh, bold steps, like instead of just auditing the Fed, repealing the Fed, or instead of doing a medical marijuana, doing full decrim, not some half-assed, uh, you know, not not some uh, halfway uh, mark of just making it so it's a $100 fine or a $400 fine or something like that or a non-arrestable offense, but actually making it so there is no punishment whatsoever for possessing a plant? Would Would proposals like that get you more excited? Did we lose Jeff? He's gone. 800-259-9231. Well, I can tell you that, uh, that that would excite me a little bit more. It's hard for me to get excited and jazzed up about a piece of medical marijuana legislation that is going to set up a government distribution system with government stores or government marijuana distribution locations in which people that are crippled and people that are suffering from MS and cancer or whatever will have to get in their cars and drive to in order to uh, acquire the marijuana that they need to get to make themselves feel better. That doesn't get me too jazzed up. I mean, I'll support it because it's a step in the right direction. We're coming up. You bring up anything. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. Hey, I got it right this time. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link... Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's that simple. You know Amazon. You trust them. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. Sell virtually anything you might possibly need for life and anything you might possibly want as well because there is a difference. Uh, But get all your needs and wants over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You'll likely get a great deal, uh, free super saver shipping on brand new items. Plus, you can even buy used if you want to save a few extra bucks. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, entering through that link, will result in us getting a percentage of your purchase. We go to, across the pond, the U.K. in Ziggy is there. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Yeah, I've got a, a police incompetence story, uh, which will take the biscuit. Okay. Um, a policeman uh, pleaded guilty yesterday to shooting a colleague accidentally in the stomach. Have a guess what this, guy, uh, what this guy's role in the police force is. The, the guy who was shot or the guy who did the shooting? The guy who did the shooting. Mm, police chief. No, he's a firearms instructor. A firearms instructor, so someone who should have known a little better about gun safety. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just made me laugh when I heard So you said it was accidental, the, the discharge? Yeah. But he was pointing his gun at somebody, or was it... Did he accidentally point the gun at someone and shoot it, or was the gun pointing... Like in his, it his was, holster. It was, it, was some, it was some form of uh, some exercise. I don't know the, the actual details because it's, 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 you know, the case is ongoing. Hmm. Um, 
But I have to say, it doesn't fill you with confidence when the police instructor is shooting people <laughs> accidentally. Now, it reminds me of that DEA video where the DEA agent is giving a high school class some sort of lecture, and he pulls out his firearm and uh, discharges it into his foot. You've seen that, right, Zig? I haven't, actually. No. Oh, that's a good one. You should search for that on, on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's got to be actually, all over the place. I've actually got a strange YouTube story, um, if you want it. Yeah, might as well. Um, about a month, well, actually, about six weeks ago, I saw this um, band from um, uh, Minneapolis called Harsh Reality on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And within three weeks, um, one way or another, I was on the phone to the bass player um, arranging their tour over here, um, hopefully next spring. I, I hadn't heard of them completely before, but I, you know, I, I really like the, the, the bass player style, and I, I, I just decided to try and track them down. And, you know, I mean, I, I just find it weird that, you know, even though the Internet is meant to bring you together, um, that, that this happened to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks um, for the And call. also, let's not forget that you brought me and Gavin together. Well, you know, that's what I like doing here is creating relationships. Thank you for the call, Ziggy. I appreciate hearing from you. It's always nice when uh, we can help make, make things happen for people. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. And, of course, our Free Talk Live uh, website has community features like the bulletin board system, the chat room, which are great ways for people who are listening to this show to meet other people of a similar mindset. And in, in some cases, they're in similar areas. I mean, the, the Free Talk Live forum, it's not a very utilized portion of the forum, but there are various different areas that are intended for people in certain geographic regions and uh, states and things like that to get together. And the, the original purpose was to give them information about their local radio stations so they could contact them uh, and ask for Free Talk Live. But it's also a way to just kind of meet up with other people that are in your area. And you might not have otherwise known about them. You know, you might not have been traveling in the same circles before you met through Free Talk Live. So that's pretty cool. 800-259-9231. Julia, you and I met each other through Free Talk Live. This is true. And it, uh, it's been working out pretty well. Uh, you know what? Let's continue on the police subject since we started on it and since Ziggy kind of brought it back around. And back to a little bit more of uh, William Grigg at the Lou Rockwell blog. This one, beware of the pet police. Now, when they aren't summarily executing your family pets, some police can be found throwing pet owners to the ground, sticking a boot on the back of their necks, and arresting them on spurious animal cruelty charges. At least this was the spectacle that unfolded a few days ago in the usually sedate city of Omaha, Nebraska. A platoon-sized contingent of police and animal control officers broke into the home of a dog owner and arrested him in order to enforce a complaint lodged by the local Humane Society. See, the owner had taken his pet Pitbull Sable into the vet a few days earlier. The dog was underweight and suffering from severe vomiting and diarrhea. Now, for reasons he didn't explain and shouldn't be required to, the owner declined further treatment of the dog, which was, after all, his property. I mean, if your pet is getting sick and you can't afford to take care of it, I mean, if your pet gets sick in the initial phases of its life, it'll probably get better. So it's you've got more years uh, to, to love and to appreciate that animal. But if you've got a dog that's getting up in the years and it's just getting sicker and sicker and sicker and you know it's, it's on its way out, is it wrong to just to let it die on its own? Because that's what it sounds like this guy did. 
so he went there, uh, and he just decided to decline further treatment of the dog. The vet disagreed and contacted the local Humane Society, which filed a complaint with the police when the owner, who had better things to do, declined the organization's repeated demands that he speak with them. I wasn't aware that a private organization could demand such a thing. Oh, well, I mean... That's kind of like, I mean, if somebody came to Panera Bread and they didn't want to purchase something and they left, like, I call the police because they're not a customer. I mean, essentially... That's like that, yeah. A vet who wanted business didn't get it and called the cops on this guy. Well, he called the Humane Society. Then the Humane Society filed the complaint with the police. And Pam Weiss, who works with the Humane Society in a capacity best described as commissarina in charge of paramilitary assaults on innocent pet owners, defended the actions of the police who swarmed the house with guns drawn and beat in the door with a battering ram before assaulting the pet owner and dragging him away to jail. I mean, is this... Can anybody defend this? I understand we love our pets. I understand dogs, cats, very cute, very lovable. Who doesn't like dogs and cats? I mean, most people... Uh, have a preference between one uh, one of the two. They like them, if not both. So I can understand why people can get upset about something like this. But is an is an armed police raid an appropriate response to somebody who is doing something you might not otherwise do to your pets? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We sniff. Hey, the police need to do that. Uh, they need to do that based on the facts. That's what the city contracts them to do: to look into animal cruelties and to make sure they're not being perpetrated. Apparently, needless police cruelty to humans doesn't disturb Ms. Weiss. Sable died. This is the dog. Shortly after the raid, and tests confirmed that she expired of natural causes, which means that the owner will not face additional charges in the case. Well, additional charges. That's right, says Grigg. Despite the fact that he did nothing wrong, the owner must be charged with something in order to validate the criminal actions of the police and their Batinsky helpers in the Humane Society. Point of personal privilege. A few years ago, I was threatened, this is Grigg, uh, with the charge of felonious animal neglect because of an anonymous complaint that our German shepherd puppy chief was underweight. In fact, he was developing in perfectly normal fashion for his breed. German shepherds of his kind don't fill out until a more advanced age. The animal control officer admitted that she had seen Chief in the company of my wife and kids a few days earlier, and he appeared perfectly happy and healthy, but she insisted that the complaint, which was apparently self-ratifying, meant that she now was effectively in charge of the care and feeding of our pet. There's something breathtakingly perverse about the limitless ingenuity displayed by the state's enforcement personnel in devising new excuses to turn innocent people into criminals. So what happened in this case? A man, his dog was sick. He takes it into the vet. The vet uh, gives him a quote, right? You take your dog into the vet. You are on a limited budget. I mean, most people don't have thousands of dollars just sitting around that they can spend on fixing their dog. Whatever it is that the problem is, the worse the problem is, the more difficult, the more expensive it's going to be. So can you imagine, Julia, taking uh, one of our pet kitties in? Let's say uh, Mr. Rabbit. We take Mr. Rabbage in. He's sick. He's throwing up. You know, it's years down the line. He's getting up uh, up in age. The vet says, this is going to cost you $4,000. Now, I don't know what the average vet bill is uh, for serious kinds of uh, surgery or whatever it would be, but I imagine it can be at least a couple grand, if not more than that. So the vet says $4,000. Now, Julia, you've been saving up to, uh, to buy a, a new car. You know, you're saving up to do whatever else it is that you were, you were planning on doing with your money. And then all of a sudden, $4,000 uh, to fix Ravage. Do you, do you do it? 
Well, you, do you go through with it? It's kind of hard to say. I guess if it was really old, it would seem like a waste of money if he's going to die in a year anyway. Right. Well, you don't know when he's going to die, but you know he's really sick. You know you don't have a lot of money. If it had been $400, you might have done it. But if it's $4,000, it's out of your budget. But apparently, it being out of your budget is a non-issue. Apparently now, if you own a pet and it's sick and you take it to the vet, you better go through with whatever the deal is. Or else the armed police SWAT team is going to kick in your door and take your pet from you and then throw you in a jail cell. Land of the free indeed. More coming up. Hour two's on the way. Free Talk Live. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T.com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free handgun. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial up toll-free to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Republicmagazine.tv. Are you missing the real news? Get informed and stay informed with Republican, I'm sorry, Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order a print subscription at www.republicmagazine.tv. That's republicmagazine.tv or call 1-800-873-1620. That's 1-800-873-1620. As we continue here, we will take your phone calls about anything. That's the point of the program. Uh, but there's a little more news here about uh, the police, and it's something that uh, we'd also mentioned last night didn't get to. The story is out of Time magazine where David Hackbart was mad and wanted to show it, but didn't think he would end up in federal court protecting his right to a rude gesture and demanding that the city of Pittsburgh stop violating the First Amendment rights of its residents. Hackbart, 34, was looking for a parking space in uh, the Squirrel Hill neighborhood on April 10th of 2006, spotting one. He attempted to back into it, but the driver of the car behind him refused to back up and give him sufficient room. Hackbart responded in a classic way. I stuck my hand out the window and gave him the finger to say, hey, jerk, thanks. Have you ever done that, Julia? Have you ever flipped anyone the bird on the road? Sure. I've got some serious road rage. Do you really? Um, sometimes I get really irritated when people drive stupid. Well, that's what was happening here, and uh, Hackbart was pretty upset about it. He said, that's all I was trying to say is thanks. Thanks a lot. At that moment, a voice rang out, telling Hackbart not to make the rude gesture in public. So I was like, how dare that person tell me that? They obviously didn't see what happened. Who are they to tell me what to say? So I flipped that person off. And then I looked. Turns out it was a city of Pittsburgh cop in his car right next to me. 
turned out to be Police Sergeant Brian Elledge, who happened to be passing in the other direction in his cruiser. Elledge whipped around and pulled Hackbart over, citing him under the state's disorderly conduct law, which bans obscene language and gestures. And here's where the problem lies, according to the ACLU's legal director, Vitold, uh, excuse me, Vic Walzak. The middle finger and equivalent swear words are not legally obscene. In fact, courts have consistently ruled that foul language is constitutionally protected form of expression. A famous 1971 Supreme Court case upheld the right of a young man to enter the L.A. County Courthouse wearing a jacket emblazoned with the words F, you know the rest, the draft. Now, the law is clear that people have the constitutional right to use profanity, especially when it comes to government officials, because that's a form of political speech, according to Walzak. But despite that, we have police officers regularly misapplying the law to punish people who offend them. And that's really what it comes down to. The U.S. District Judge David Sircone ruled in March that the citation, along with $119.75 court costs imposed by the city court, was clearly unconstitutional. So this is one of the, the rarities where the, the courts actually make a positive decision, where they actually make a decision that, uh, that backs up freedom a little bit. Of course, it's usually two, uh, you know, one, two, uh, one step forward, two steps back, but it's nice to point out when they do the right thing from time to time. And in this case, they did do the right thing. The ACLU said it found 188 cases from 2005 to 2007 in which people were cited under similar circumstances, despite an entry into the police department's training manual making it clear that vulgar speech is not illegal. But what would their punishment be? What will the police... What will happen to a police officer who goes and arrests you, if Julia flips off somebody tomorrow and she's arrested for it under disorderly conduct charge or ticketed for it, what will happen to that cop if later on down the road the judge in some superior court or a supreme court decides to overturn it? Well, I can tell you they're not going to get fired like last, the story we read last hour where they, they uh, assaulted an old lady with pepper spray. That was enough. Uh, to get a cop fired in one case down in Louisiana. But making an arrest or, or ticketing somebody illegally, they'll just maybe get a slap on the hand. They'll maybe get a stern talking to uh, from their police chief. But there's not going to be any real consequences. So they can still be intimidating. They can still They can still pull you over. They can still harass you. They can still ticket you. If it all gets turned over down the line, there's no real consequences for them. They don't get a cut in pay. They don't get demoted. There's nothing that will happen. Now, the question was set to go to trial in federal court last week, but the matter was delayed at the last moment while the two sides explored a settlement. The city's law department declined to comment on the case. The problem's not confined to Pittsburgh. In 2007, a woman in Scranton, Pennsylvania, was cited for yelling obscenities at an overflowing toilet in her home, which I think we actually talked about that on the show, a tirade overheard by her neighbor, an off-duty police officer. She was later acquitted on constitutional grounds, and the city paid her $19,000 in a settlement. We probably handle a dozen of these cases every year, says Walzak. We're actually negotiating with the state police now, trying to force them to change their training and written materials to make it clear that you can't do this. Now, it is, of course, part of a larger question. The recent controversy over the arrest of historian Henry Gates Jr., who was charged with disorderly conduct in his home after police arrived to investigate an erroneous report of a burglary in progress, was cast in racial terms, a white officer distrusting a black homeowner. But Walzak says this issue seems to have more to do with a police officer being confronted by an angry and disrespectful person and turning disorderly conduct laws into a contempt of cop law, as he puts it. Now, 
judges get away with this crap all the time, right? I mean, anything you do in a courtroom that a judge doesn't like, he can hit you with a contempt of court charge, and that's fully legal. And the judge has the power to do that. I know. I've been a victim of it. I uh, didn't sit down fast enough in a courtroom here in Keene, New Hampshire last year and was hit with a 30-day contempt of court charge. And then when I didn't answer a question in the the way the judge wanted me to answer it later, he hit me with another contempt of court charge. So I'm sure the cops relish that level of power and the cops want to have that level of power over people. But the fact is... The rest of the world isn't the courtroom of uh, of the cops. They aren't in full and complete control, thankfully, at least not at this point. And they they have been slapped down by their own courts. According to Walzak, he says, frankly, I think having someone dropping the F-bomb is better than taking a swipe at the police officer. But what we're seeing too often is that police who are offended by a lack of respect, often manifested by profanity or cursing, will punish people for that. You know what I'd like to say to the police, those of you who are listening? And I know there are some good cops out there. I know there are cops that are trying to do the right thing and that got into the business for the the right reasons. But if you want people to respect you, you have to act in a respectful manner. And being respectful doesn't include threatening peaceful people. It doesn't include arresting people for possession, uh, possession of a plant or possession of some chemical or something like that. Being respectful means leaving people alone that haven't harmed other people. Until, peop- until the police start doing that, until the police start to get a clue about how to be respectful toward others, and I'm, and I'm not saying all cops are like this. Some of them are very nice people. But until those who are disrespectful and those who do have a power trip uh, mindset and are uh, just on a constant rush of authority, until they get a clue and start uh, treating people with respect, they're not going to get it back. People are going to call them names. They're going to call them pigs. They're going to hate them. And I don't blame them for being angry. I don't blame people for being upset at the police because they're busy throwing our friends and our family members, many of us, in jail cells. You know what I don't like about most police officers is when they walk around in their police uniform, they really, most of them or a lot of them, they have this attitude that's like, I'm better than you, petty citizen. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember one time I was in a, I think I was in the district court in Keene, New Hampshire, and I was just waiting for you to come out from doing something or, or something of that sort. And there was this female cop in there, and I, she like had, she was expressionless, and she looked like the most boring, horrible, uh, I don't know, just just like unfriendly person. And I, I smiled at her because I knew that she wasn't going to smile back. And mm-hmm. she finally, like, noticed my smile after me just sitting there with this silly grin on my face. And, and she did the really fake, like, quick smile and then went back to being straight face. And it just, I mean, I feel like I could never go up to a cop in the street and talk to them because they seem so unfriendly. Cold. Yeah. I mean, what's your deal? Off-putting. You're supposed to be the, you know, the helping people and all that yeah. stuff, I guess, whatever their job title says. Yeah, and... you don't you don't want to approach somebody that looks intimidating. Right. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Some of them get it. Some cops are pretty approachable, pretty nice people. But I definitely see where you're coming from. More on the way here. 800-259-9231. So flipping the bird to a cop, fully legal, say the courts. In the late 21st century, the hardiest, most daring adventurers have begun to colonize the solar system where untold mineral riches await them. Jealous of their wealth and fearful of their freedom, the government of Earth is determined to extend their power to this new frontier 
by any means necessary. Escape from Terra, an illustrated science fiction saga from Big Head Press. Read it online at escapefromterra.com. Whatever you want by dialing the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight is Ian with you. And Julia. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their photo or video that proves... That they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. That again is shrine.freetalklive.com. We will uh, continue taking your phone calls here in one moment. Just a few more thoughts on the story from Time Magazine about the police and the flipping the birds. Somebody was arrested, and this is not the only time it's happened. There, there, there's a kind of a, a glut of these cases over time throughout uh, throughout history in, in in America where you'll do something that a police officer considers offensive, and because he's offended, he'll go ahead and arrest you for it. Well, a federal appeals court has essentially found in favor of the person who flipped the cop the bird. And that's great news, because it means that you should be able to say something nasty or do something uh, with your hands that is uh, uncouth when it comes to a police officer. Well, they certainly can do that to you if they felt like it. If if they wanted to flip you the bird? Sure. There'd be nothing you could do about it. Well, yeah, you certainly can't arrest them. So the the court did find that it was legal to do that, that it was a First Amendment thing, and that the police need to be more professional in how they handle things. The police should be staying cool. The police should be, uh, you know, cooler heads should be prevailing in these situations. They should set the example. They should uh, remain cool as the other person is getting all bent out of shape instead of getting bent out of shape themselves. But, of course, many of them are hotheads. Many of them are badge heavies. Many of them are people that got into the business so they could wield power and uh, and essentially get away with it. They could so they could harm people. I mean, we've got another story. I don't know if we'll have time to get to it about a cop that shot a man in the back in L.A. three times. Of course, he'll likely get away with that murder because he's a cop. But at least in this case, uh, the the court rulings have stated that it's legal. Now that's not going to prevent you from getting arrested because, well, first of all, even if the cops have gotten the memo that doing that is illegal, it won't necessarily prevent them from arresting you. There, there's no statute to charge you with flipping someone off. It's usually disorderly conduct or some other catch-all thing that they're going to hit you with. But I just wanted to to read a quote to wrap this up here from the police themselves. At least one of the officers, uh, the director of the Fraternal Order of Police. And what he has to say about this, it says here, he says that police officers have better things to do than give people citations. Oh, really? Well, why are they pulling people over for speeding then if they've got better things to do than give people citations? Isn't that what a speeding ticket is? Isn't a speeding ticket a citation? It's essentially in lieu of actually arresting someone. A citation is basically they give you a piece of paper, but you've essentially been arrested even though they haven't put you in handcuffs because you're, you're then under their control. After they've cited you, they give you a court date, and they say you better show up. And if you don't show up, you get charged with failure to appear. So once they give you that citation, you're essentially even more, even more theirs at that point than you were before the citation. So he says that they've got better things to do than give people citations. And if people are doing things to distract police officers from doing those things, then they should be held accountable in some way. Distract? 
Yeah. You're suggesting that while driving, giving the cop the finger is distracting him? Right, as though the cop can't, he just can't resist pulling you over at that point. As though the cop just can't go about his business and go to whatever call he was going to to take care of that person who might have actually been in danger. They just have to stop. They just have to stop and deal with somebody who's flipped them off. Well, no, they don't. And this goes back to a point I was trying to make on the radio a couple of days ago. I was on a local talk show here in Keene. You can hear the archives over at freekeen.com. But we were talking about the topless uh, arrest that happened recently here in Keene, which was later on overturned. The police department actually admitted later that they shouldn't have done it. They admitted that it's completely legal for females and males both alike, to be topless in Keene, New Hampshire. In, in fact, across New Hampshire, they admitted that it was, it was completely legal. You know, maybe it's the same way in, uh, in your state, but in many cases, the, the laws haven't been challenged. And that was one of the reasons why they didn't go through with the prosecution was because they didn't want Cassidy, the young lady in question, to take it to the Supreme Court and possibly have the entire uh, indecent exposure statute overturned on appeal. The, the cops actually admitted that's why they didn't go through with it. They know how flawed that particular piece of legislation is, and they were worried that they'd lose the entire thing should they have gone after Cassidy. So they, they dropped the charges. But what the talk show host uh, that was trying to – the point he was trying to make with me was that, well, why are you free staters and you activists out there doing these things so the police have to arrest you? I mean, why are you out there getting in the, in the way like this? And my point was they don't have to do this stuff. They don't have to arrest you. They can use discretion. It says it right there in their statement of ethics, the the police department mission, their value statement. It says they have discretion when it comes to enforcing the law. And what that means is that means that they can choose to enforce it or not. So the excuse, if a cop ever gives you the, uh, the excuse that you hear so often, the excuse of, well, I'm just doing my job. You know, I'm just, hey, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the legislators. They're the ones that told me to do this. They're the ones. You voted for them, which I didn't, by the way, but that's what they say. You voted for them. They voted for these laws. I'm just enforcing the law. But it's your job, officer, to use discretion. So why don't you? And then they do, of course. I mean, many officers do use discretion, and thank goodness for it. You know, there are plenty of officers out there that instead of arresting somebody for marijuana will just... Maybe dump out the marijuana and, and let them go on their way. Sure, it's not the best thing that could happen, but it's also not the worst thing. I've had cops give me seatbelt tickets instead of other tickets to try to make me feel good about them giving me a ticket so that because it's cheaper, you know. Yeah. So that's a that's it, a discretionary uh, example, but giving a warning would be a better example of. I've discretion. had warnings before. Right. So they don't have to write the ticket. They don't have to investigate. They don't have to do anything. So don't act like it's the activist's fault for what the police do. It's a cop-out. And don't act like it's this guy's fault who flipped the bird because this cop decided to pull over and spend his time, which is supposedly so valuable, even though there are plenty of cops out there that just spend their time dicking around, essentially not doing anything, uh, and then occasionally will get a call and go and do something. If you call the cops, they don't even have an obligation to show up. I know. Some cops will. A lot of cops are, again, trying to do the right thing. I'm not trying to assail all police officers here. I'm just saying that this is nonsense. This, this whole idea that, well, you've distracted a police officer, so you should be punished. Well, why don't you teach your officers to be a little bit more on point, to be a little bit more focused 
in what it is they're supposed to be doing. Oh, is that person over there flipping me the bird harming anyone? Do they have they created a victim? Well, if not, and I don't see any evidence that they have, therefore I'm not going to investigate this incident. I'll go find something else to do, like investigate a murder or a rape or an arson or something like that. We go to your phone calls. Uh, we'll start things out with Dave in Nevada. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, what's going on? What's on your mind tonight, Dave? Hey, I was just listening to the podcast. Um, I think it was from last night. Uh, you were talking to Dale. I guess he was working on uh, Jason Osborne's movie. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you were you were saying that. Uh... Oh, still there? Yeah, we're still here. Okay, I'm getting all kinds of weird interference. Mine. Sorry about that. Okay, um, well, we'll tell you what. We'll bring you back here in a little moment. Uh, hang on. 800-259-9231. Independent Films uh, was talking with Dale about making them and how you distribute them and all that. Uh, we'll see what Dave has to add to this here in moments and take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com. Click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out the online form. Earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live, you can just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30 state concealed weapons permits and get a free handgun. Go to frontsight.com today. Frontsite.com as we go to your phone calls and back to Dave in Nevada. Dave, you're back on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, so talking about indie films, um, I guess you were wondering, like, basically how you get into the whole distribution and all that stuff. Yeah, it seems tricky. Um, I mean, they what we were talking with Dale about from AnarchyInYourHead.com is that they were out with uh, the, the guys from Sakel CAI, Jason Osborne and his crew, uh, have been putting together movies at Think Twice Productions. And uh, they filmed the movie. They've got their, themselves a feature-length film. I'm sure they still have some editing to do and some post-production. So they're going to have the, the final product. And he was talking about shopping it around to distributors and that there's a huge demand for uh, these horror movies. It was a zombie movie, uh, kind of an independent, low-budget uh, horror movie. And I just, I mean, it's just a world I'm not very familiar with. I mean, how difficult is it to shop something like that around? And, and how much money can one expect to make? Okay, well, it happens to be a world I am pretty familiar with because I, I used to, when I lived in L.A., I did sound for indie features and indie shorts and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, on the post-production side. And have, having um, having a finished product is definitely very, very helpful. Um, one of the first things to do is just start submitting it to festivals like crazy, uh, film festivals, um, and uh, see what kind of response you get from there. And, uh, you know, if you get positive response, 
um, like a, an indie feature I did a couple years ago um, was listed as one of the top five indie features at Cannes. And from there, that's how the guy got distribution. Somebody read about it in Entertainment Weekly and, and saw the movie and went, wow, okay, I want to distribute this. Hmm. Okay. Um, otherwise, now, what does it take you, to – well, hold on. What does it take to get into one of those festivals? You just submit it. Okay, so – You submit a copy of it, and um, I don't know if there's an entrance fee, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you, you – you just submit a copy to whatever delivery specifications that they have. And so, so that's where a lot of eyeballs are. That's where a lot of distributors kind of keep an eye open to see, you know, what's hot, basically. Yeah, like a lot of the big festivals. Like there's Can uh, over in France, and if you don't want to go over to France, um, there's Sundance that Robert Redford started. Um, there's a, a couple other ones. There's Slam Dance. There's one in Canada, and um, you know, of course, there's all kinds of smaller ones. I know there's a horror. Indie Film Festival, somewhere in the southeast, maybe. Okay. I, and it's, just, been, it's been a while. Right. I've been I've been doing video games for a long time now, but um, but there's there's if you just Google horror film festival, you'll probably get a billion hits and just start submitting to whatever delivery spec they have, and you know that's not a guaranteed in into the festival. Um, it's got to be good. Um. So they will re- they will review the festival people will review the movie first and then they'll decide okay this meets our quality specs we'll go ahead and put this out there exactly now quick okay and, now here's my other question I know you had more but um, so let's say you get into a, one of these festivals let's say a distributor spots the film and decides they like it they call you up do they then try to buy the rights to uh, you know to fully distribute and profit from the film or is there usually a, like a profit sharing thing what's the what's the, how does it break down as far as the the deals go well it's it's the contracts are going to vary um you know it's not like it's a standard oh i'm sure there's kind of like a standard deal but uh, you know there's always contracts involved um sometimes they'll just want to buy it outright for mm-hmm. a certain amount of money um, you know, if if the movie's really good, um, instead of just buying it outright, you know, you, you may say, hey, you know, I want X percentage of uh, box office on this, or, or, you know, there might be some deal worked out to be able to, because if it's really good and there's already a buzz, you may make more doing that than if they just paid you $5 million for the thing. So, right, and there might um, be such a buzz if you actually were shown at one of those film festivals and people really liked it. That might be how that buzz would, would get started. So I guess it really you have to put your finger up in the air to some extent and kind of judge what, what's going on. Because I can understand that being somebody like me who has no experience whatsoever, and I, I can't say I know how much experience the guys have that were making this particular independent film with, with distribution, but if somebody comes to me and I spent $5,000 making a film and they say, well, we'll give you $25,000 for it, that's an instant $20,000 profit, whereas if you were to say, well, we'll take uh, you know 20% of, the, of whatever it is you make on this, then you kind of have to trust those folks to be honest with you, don't you? Yeah, but you know, if if it's if even if it gets small distribution like you know select theaters, you you can you you call. Like I had a friend that worked at New Line Cinema, and his job was to call all the theaters that say Lord of the Rings: Return of the King was playing at and get their numbers for the week. So it's it's really easy to keep track, keep tabs on the numbers, and so you know pretty much what's owed you in that contract. So um, you do have some way of of checking things then. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's and it's a lot of it has to do with marketing as well and creative marketing these days. 
Um, you know, I remember back in college, Blair Witch Project. I never saw a trailer for it, but all of a sudden, all these people were talking about, did you see this thing, this website, and is it real, is it not? kind of a thing what a what a piece of dreck i I did not (laughs) like that movie and you're right you did like it i thought it was great (laughs) oh yeah i thought it was pretty lame bunch Um, of kids walking through the woods going you saw it too julia (laughs) i hate that movie it was it was puffed up as something that was so awesome and so uh so unique and it just didn't seem to have anything special uh, to my view but anyway i i well i liked it from an audio perspective because you never saw any of the whatever it was you just heard it but well, but, sure. Uh, I mean, anyway, a, it's, a, it's a low budget technique. It's also generally a good editing technique to not reveal the monster until the very end. That kind of thing. That's usually not a, yeah. a bad. It's not a bad approach. Just that there didn't seem to be too much that was uh, entertaining for me. But you're right about the marketing on that movie. It was absolutely uh, whatever the word of mouth was incredible with that film. Yeah. So to, I think marketing is big. You know, having a good website for the film. Because a lot of even these you know hundred two hundred million dollar features. Their websites are garbage, and if so, if you can have a good website mm-hmm. um, that l- gives you a little info on what it is, and it's kind of like really causes interest, that's really really helpful. And if it's a zombie, mo- I'm a zombie movie fan, so if it's a zombie movie, and there's a lot of people like me out there, a lot of us look past like production value and stuff. We just want to see zombies eating people's brains. And, um, <laughs> so you must be looking forward to this then. I am, and I, I got to tell you, I'm kind of. I'm tempted to to offer, you know, work doing sound design on it because I I've never done a zombie movie before. I've done other horror movies, but not a zombie before. Well, you might be able to reach out over at uh, Think Twice News. I think it's thinktwicenews.com. There's probably a link to uh, contact them over there, and I'm sure they'd appreciate any offer of assistance. And any other thoughts for us tonight? Um, well, that's that's about it. Well, um. Thanks for yeah. the expertise. I appreciate hearing from you. It kind of uh, helps helps paint the picture a little bit more for me about how possible it might be to market uh, such an independent film. It would seem like it's a pretty competitive marketplace too. I mean that you, it doesn't take a lot of money these days to do this stuff. I mean you can get in and get yourself some pro, some pro level or semi pro level equipment that is a fraction of what it would have been 10, 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, it would have been possible to have something like as nice as what you can get for $4,000 today. And 10 years ago, probably would have been $40,000 for what you can pay $4,000 for. You can probably spend $25,000 or less and have an incredibly professional level uh, amount of uh, stable of equipment at your disposal. So considering the low cost of entry now for filmmaking... I'd imagine there's some pretty stiff competition, but then again, since the costs are lower, it's easier to make a profit. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. And toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. If you've seen the Lakota Nation silver round from the free Lakota Bank, you know it's one of the most beautiful pieces available today. 
And a really fun way of giving the Federal Reserve the middle finger. Free Talk Live listeners can get them for the absurdly low rate of $22.30. That's right, $22.30. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free to the SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. That again brought to you by SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need to know about SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. That's SACL CAI, and you can see their banner at the top of the banner column at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI. As we continue, taking your phone calls about what you want. It's Ed in Georgia. Ed, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Ed? Uh, Well, I had several questions, but the first one was, uh, when is war or violence the answer? I am uh, moving closer and closer to saying never. Julia? Never. When is war or violence the answer? Um, well, I I would say I'm pretty close to never as well, and I, I would say no definitely to war. I do not oppose violence in situations of self-defense. Um, I don't oppose it myself. It's just that I I don't know if it helps the situation. I, I, I'm, what I'm, about like... World War II, for an example. World should, War II. What two. would you have done if you were supreme dictator? I know you wouldn't want to be supreme dictator of the <laughs> right. United States, but if you were supreme dictator of the United States in World War II, what would you have done after Pearl Harbor? Well, first of all, uh, I wouldn't have ordered a, a, a financial uh, blockade on Japan. I wouldn't oh, yeah, have kind of uh, prevented American business owners from doing business with the Japanese. I wouldn't have prevented uh, American oil sellers from selling oil to the Japanese, effectively cutting off their supplies to their country. So I think that kind of was a little saber-rattling that led to the inevitable, or what uh, what became the inevitable bombing of Pearl Harbor. So again, it's you know, there was somebody that was in the office, uh, the Oval Office there, that had intentions to get into to that war, and that's why those things happened. Okay, what about Poland in World War II? What about it? I mean, well, Poland or England in World War II. Poland kind of got run over, whether they wanted to or not. But give me some give me some details. What 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 are you specifically like, referring to? Um, when uh, like would you have just tried to get Pete? Like if you were, um, if you you know if you were the king of England, like with full powers or whatever, would you have tried to sue for peace with Germany and just gone over, like, just given them what they wanted, or, um... What, what was it they wanted? To take over, take control? The Zampi yeah, basically Zampi? take control and get money, troops, and resources for their the rest I, of their I wars. I think, you know, again, it's it's hard for me to fully embrace pacifism in the same way that... I, I struggle with it for the same reason, I think, that Julia does. It's just, I think that... Uh, if Britain, for instance, had followed the road of the the Swiss or the in Switzerland rather, uh, where each home has a, a firearm in it, that was enough to dissuade uh, Hitler and his generals from coming in there. 
and I, I realize that wasn't the case in Great Britain, but it was the case in Switzerland, and that's why they were they were spared. So I think that uh, being able to defend oneself is important, and having the ability to defend oneself does help uh, keep the the marauders away. So I think that's the best option. I don't think there should be any centrally controlled military uh, or anything like that. I think that all defense should be done on a you know a basis of individuals deciding for themselves what their appropriate level of involvement in defending oneself might be. It can range from pacifism to owning your own bazooka or your own tank or something like that. And if people are concerned about invasions and that sort of thing, then they should they should arm up. I think that uh, in the United States today, there is a tremendous amount of gun ownership in most places, with the exception of certain urban centers. But in most places in the country, you're going to have a real tough time uh, trying to occupy or to engage in a land war with uh, with the United States people because they're well-armed. So I think having people being well-armed helps prevent the violence from happening in the first place. All right. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does for for the most part. And uh, also, what would you, if you were going to order military drawdowns in the United States, would you, what would you do? Like getting, like, I mean, I'm, like, I'm guessing you would just end the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and cut a lot of our military out but what would how far would you take it well i don't think there should be a federal government so i mean does that give you an answer uh no i don't think i think that yeah of course the military should uh, should come home and then should be you know the nuclear weapons should be disbanded and uh, and the the tanks and all that other crap sold off to the the highest bidder and then or or dismember dis- dis- them or whatever the hell just 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 end it and end the entire federal government. And then, like I said, let people come up with their own solutions in the marketplace for defending themselves. I know that people, when you talk about ending the military, they get all frightened and they'll say things like, well, we need the military to protect us from people around the world. Well, first of all, who's coming from around the world to try to invade the United States? If you wanted to come and invade the United States, there aren't really that many military people here, are there? I mean, they're mostly over in the Middle East. So if they – do you remember when uh, Hurricane Katrina happened and the military yeah. was sent here? They had to come here from all the way over in the Middle East, and it took them a few days to get to the Louisiana area, Mississippi area, to actually respond in that case. So can you imagine if somebody decided to just send a bunch of bombers over here or whatever? They wouldn't have a tough time, I don't think. So there's not really anybody that wants to uh, wants to attack the, the United States, and they would not want to attack the United States even if there was no military because it would be a very difficult proposition. Plus, the other thing that I want to point out is the military protects the government first and foremost. I know everybody has this this kind of fantasy belief that the military would would protect them and, and keep them safe if there was you know this red Chinese horde that was uh, rolling over towards Cali or or boating towards California that the military would uh, would work toward pe- keeping people safe. And I I believe that the, you know that may be true to some extent. But what the military is primarily interested in are protecting certain state targets, like you know the White House and uh, state capitals and and things like that. They want to protect their bases. They're not so interested about your house at the end of the cul-de-sac. I mean, they're not really concerned about that. If they were concerned about things like that, then you wouldn't see them blowing those things up during wartime. They'd be very cautious about putting people out of their homes. But if there was some sort of uh, Chinese threat to the United States, you can better believe that if it was uh, convenient for them to, if they could kill a a Chinese tank brigade by blowing up your house at the same time, you could kiss your house goodbye. So, I mean, the whole idea that they're protecting you is kind of fallacious. They're protecting their uh, they're protecting their system. They're protecting their power. 
And you're just a pawn in that game. You're just someone to extract the wealth from so they can buy more toys uh, and things like that. They have no obligation to protect you. If they destroy your stuff in the process of so-called protecting you, they have no obligation to you know, pay you back or rebuild or, or do anything like that. Whether they will or not is another question, but they have no obligation to. So, again, yeah. in a market paradigm of protection, each individual or each company gets to decide for themselves what level of protection is appropriate for them that they want to hire. And if you hire a protection agency that guarantees that they will protect you on so-and-so of a basis and they'll reimburse you later on if they do any damage, you could actually have a contract. You could actually have it all spelled out, all of the details about you know what it is that you are to expect from these people in the event of some awful attack. But remember... Yeah. If there was no U.S. military, and if there was no federal government, what would the Chinese or whoever the, the evil specter is, the North Koreans, what would they attack? Well, they could sort of take us apart piece by piece if they felt like it. Cause, How? Um, what What would they target? Um, every That's a good question. I guess they just, yeah, that would be, they get sort of like an Iraq situation for themselves. You, exactly. It would be like that. Uh, because, right, Americans aren't going to just let people occupy them the same way the Iraqis are not letting people occupy them. They're fighting back. They're using IEDs. They're they're killing uh, the, the American troops that are over there. And, and you know, they're just defending their, their property. So you can't blame them for that. So the same thing would happen here. And if there's no federal government with certain military bases and installations to be targeted with, uh, with essentially an existing control apparatus to take over, then there's no there's no purpose to attacking the United States. What are you go, what are your spoils going to be? You don't get to take over the government because there is no government to take over. You don't get to uh, seize control of the military apparatus because there is no more military apparatus. Again, we're talking about this fantasy utopian world where there's no federal government anymore. I think someday we'll probably get to that point when it co- collapses underneath its own weight in the same way the Soviet Union or in a similar way that the Soviet Union did in the past. But yeah, if you think about mess. it, if there's no federal government, everything's diffuse. There's nothing that's a, a direct target. You could say, well, they'll nuke everybody. Well, if they do that, then they can't actually collect any spoils. There's nothing left for them at that point. So if they wanted to nuke everybody, they could just go ahead and do that today. What about uh, what would you do about individuals having nukes? Because, like, you know, if I got my hands on one, I could <laughs> really. If you had the family atomics, like in Dune type thing. Yeah, I know. The, the thing is, when you talk about these issues of uh, the free marketplace and, and marketizing things, people have to go to the extreme, the absurd, to uh, to even to even make a point against it. I mean, it's it's pretty ludicrous to suggest that somebody was just going to get their hands on a nuke. I mean, we've even heard that the whole suitcase nuke specter is, is totally false. There is no real such thing out there. So I don't know how easy that process would be, and I don't know how your neighbors would feel about that. Thanks. More coming up. Hour 3 on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. 
This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. Is free talk live. You can bring up anything toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line as we launch here into the third hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your phone calls. We go to, I believe we have uh, Jeremy in Rhode Island. You're on Free Talk Live. Jeremy. Hello. Hey, what's Hello. on your mind tonight? Hello. You're on the air. Okay, sorry I had to take the activate speaker so no speakerphone. Okay, um, one thing I want to touch upon really quick um, before I get into something else is the other day you were talking about saying that uh, 13 year olds should be able to emancipate themselves. I think the age of emancipation should pretty much be the age at which you would be willing to, the general, most people would be willing to engage in a contract with somebody. I think that age should be any, any age depending on when the young person decides they're ready. Yeah, but I don't think they really have the ability to make decisions. You know what I mean? Like, who do, wait, who doesn't have the ability to make decisions? Children? Do, well, what I want to know is, do you consider a 16-year-old a child? Because Not I, really. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Because I can say no. personally, I, I got a job the day I turned 14, and I saved up quite a bit of money. And when I was 16, I could have moved out of my house and survived yeah. on my own. But we're talking about 13, not 16. I'm... You know, there's quite the difference there. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think um, most 13-year-olds would be ready to make that decision, and therefore they wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, the other thing but I wait, want wait, to wait, wait, on... Before you go on, though, I mean, what what I'm hearing you say is that you don't believe that anyone who is of a, of a young age should have the ability to choose for themselves, to free themselves from the, the control of their parental units. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And you, you want to set an, an arbitrary age for that number? What are you talking about? Nah, I don't know where that He's is. having himself a conversation there. Hey, Jeremy, we're on the radio. Sorry here. about that. That's okay. Um, so, did you hear what I said there? Yes. All right, so what should the arbitrary number be in your mind as far as the uh, the to- the age at which someone think, can do these things? I'd say at least like 15 or 16. I think 16 is a reasonable number. I think 13 is a little bit kind of crazy. So, if a 13-year-old decides, I've had enough of this this household... I've had enough of being treated the way I'm being treated by uh, these parental people. I'm going to uh, strike out on my own. You fully support the idea of uh, police searching for that person, forcibly taking them from wherever, whatever life they've decided to uh, to go toward, and forcing them back into the home with the people they don't want to be with. Okay, if they if there's like someone else who's willing to take them in and take care of them, then I think they should be able to be free to go. Well, I mean, how many 13-year-olds are going to be able to make it without having somebody else help them out by giving them a place to stay or something like that? I mean, really, there's no 13-year-old out there that is likely to be very successful at getting their own apartment. I mean, can you imagine being a landlord and having some 13-year-old kid come up and try to rent from you? Right. Well, that's the other aspect of it is, I mean, first of all, I don't think that most 13-year-olds would be ready especially in today's society. Sure, absolutely. And I also don't think that most landlords, like you say, would be willing to rent out to a 13-year-old. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon was um, 
I was at a tr- uh, Amtrak station in Providence the other day, mm-hmm. and I got a $25 ticket. I didn't notice that the meter, I, I ran in and out of the station for like five minutes. There's about 20, 25 meters on this street in Providence, and they gave me a $25 ticket for it. Wow. Um, which I think is excessive. Yeah. Considering I was there for five minutes, and what they basically do, they got two people on to just do this one street, and they just go up and down catching people who park there for a minute or two just to run to the station and drop someone off, pick someone up. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's all um, about revenue generation. Well, so what I'm going to do, because I'm going to pay that ticket, and I'm going to pay it with a smile. I'm going to pay it, I'm going to send them a check, and I want to put a little piece of paper with this big smiley face on it. And I'm going to go back there Tuesday morning at about 6 in the morning. I'm trying to try to get there about 5.30. And I'm just going to go around feeding meters when people park. And I want to cost them at least $250. They can have my 25 Okay, so you're going to pay the, the fine, then you're going to go back to the, the strip of meters, and you're going to spend how long feeding the meters? Um, from probably about 6 in the morning till noon. So you, you're probably going to save a lot of people from getting ticketed. Now, you say that there are two employees that are city employees going back and forth, so presumably they'll be out and about at that time. They start doing this at 6 a.m.? Uh, you know, I'm not sure what time they started, but... Usually bureaucrats don't want to get up that early, but I suppose anything's possible. You might want to no, find I'll out. No, change what, it to seven. Yeah, you might want to find out what time that starts. Usually, it'll say on the meters uh, what times they're uh, they're operating from and to. Uh, but there is a chance they will call the police on you. Are you prepared for that? There's a chance that in yes. some places there are laws, and I would say that in a big city there, there's more likelihood that such a law will exist. In some places there are laws of interfering. I don't know what they're called, but uh, something to the effect of interfering with the uh, with a somebody else's meter. And even though you're doing that person a favor and they would likely appreciate it, the city won't appreciate it very much, and it's very likely that uh, that you could end up seeing the inside of a jail cell for that. Well, I'm hoping it doesn't end up in a jail cell. I am going to be video recording it, mm-hmm. um, and I'm probably going to try to send that over to Ridley, see if he'll do something with it. I know it's happening in Rhode Island, but it would make a good uh, you know comparison to how people, how, how the police react in Rhode Island versus New Hampshire, you know, to something as trivial of someone feeding the meters. Oh, absolutely. Any way you slice it, it's going to be interesting, especially if they decide to make an issue out of it. I hope they leave you alone. Uh, around here, my that's what is, happens. They don't care goal, here in Keene. Yeah, well, my goal is to prevent 10 tickets. I want to cost them 10 times what they're going to get from me. <laughs> you know, you want to do that to me, fine. I love it. I think, it's, feeding meters. I think it's a great approach. And, of course, the activists here in New Hampshire have taken it to the next level. They are doing something they call uh, the Robin Hood Fund, and or Robin Hooding or whatever, where basically they go and they uh, they feed people's meters when they've been expired. They'll walk up and down Main Street on one particular day. They call it Ticketless Tuesdays. Now it's not all day long; they only do it the late afternoon. But nonetheless, a little bit of of uh, helping people out is better than nothing. Uh, and so they are going up and down. They're feeding meters as people have uh, had them expired. So therefore, the meter lady cannot write a ticket out. And in many cases, they will walk right in front of the meter maid as she's walking down the street and feed the meters directly in front of her. I actually uh, encountered one of the meter maids when I was doing this, and she said thank you 
when I fed the meter in front of her. It's less work for her. She doesn't have to to uh, to write out the ticket. She can just keep walking. And I was surprised that uh, she would be so amicable towards it. She doesn't care if the city gets the revenue or not. She's getting paid either way, right? She's she's not making commission on uh, the the various different tickets she's writing out. She's getting a flat fee based on her just going out, walking the streets, and giving out tickets. So, but if she doesn't give out any tickets, that's not a problem either. She'll still get paid. So she said that she just took the job because she likes to walk, and they basically pay her to walk. Um, so she was she was more than happy to see us paying those meters in front of her, which was an unusual response. And I don't imagine you'll get the same ones from the these inner you know from the city bureaucrats there in uh, in Rhode Island. But uh, let us know what happens. And as far as getting your video online, you should probably open up your own YouTube channel, upload it there if you don't already have one, and then give Ridley uh, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com the heads up to the the already existing YouTube video. He can just grab that and then use it for his own purposes. So good luck, dude, and thank you. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Roy in New York. Roy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Roy, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I was going to talk about Bigfoot, but apparently Mark, who seemed like the Bigfoot supporter, is not there tonight. Is that the case? Yeah, that is the case. I don't know how Julia feels about Bigfoot, though, so Julia, why don't you uh, ring in here? Well, actually, i got a police thing to talk about also. I could say the Bigfoot till Mark's there. I, I don't get the feeling Julia is much of a uh, Bigfoot <laughs> no. fanatic. I am certainly not myself. I don't know. Maybe there are. I'm, I'm sure there are species that have not been discovered yet. We know that's the case. I mean, they just uncovered some sort of this little, uh, I guess, volcano or something like that, old volcano that has been untouched for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they found all kinds of new frogs and things like that in there. So does that mean there could be an ape kind of thing that hasn't been discovered yet? Eh, possibly. Is it likely that any of the evidence that we've seen over the years of such things are true? Probably not. They're probably all hoaxes. Go ahead with your thoughts on whatever. Well, actually, do you mind if I call back and talk with Mark's there? Uh, I can't stop you, so by all means. All right. Can I talk about the police real quick? You can, but hang on. We'll bring you back for that. 800-259-9231. Because you can call in about anything. And Mark is out tonight because he's driving to Pennsylvania. I guess there's one of those Ron Paul conventions or the, the Campaign for Liberty or something like that is happening out in Pennsylvania. And I guess he's headed down there for that. I don't know exactly what his plans are there, but... I think it involves trying to sell some Free Talk Live advertising. 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us online. We've got live streams there. There's a broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the TOTASAC now for a few weeks on the program, and I love it. It's it's a great little tool. It's very handy. In fact, uh, it's designed for your hands. The purpose of the TOTASAC is to help you simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. Now, 
I'm not the most creative person, so I haven't really thought of much else to do with them besides bring in the groceries, but they're worth it for just that alone. There were suggestions on the package, and I can't remember what any of them were, but it is handy for groceries. Oh, man, it it makes it so easy. I, it Maybe I'm lazy, but I never like having to go back out to the car several times to get uh, to grab more groceries, come back in, grab more groceries. <laughs> I usually just try to pick up as many as I can and like, put them on my arms, and it really hurts. It hurts, yeah, yeah because the bags dig in. So the tote sack allows you to just loop all these bags onto one of the tote sacks, or two. You can use one in each hand, and you can carry far more. With a tote sack in your hand, than you could just using your regular hand. Uh, it's a brilliant little tool. You can go to totasack.com to get yourself a family pack or get a two pack. T O T A S A K, totasack.com. As we go back to the phones and the fun, let's talk to Roy in New York. Roy, you're back on Free Talk Live. Hey there, guys. Yeah, um, and Julia. Hi, and Julia, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, I know a lot of times on your program you give people advice about how to deal with the police if you have a, a police encounter. I personally, I've been jacked up by the police a lot. By that I mean, you know, they stop you. They just interfere with my life. I'm not an activist or anything, but just mm-hmm. going about my life. It's speeding tickets. They want to stop me and check, run my ID for warrants and stuff like that. Sure. They're um, looking to put you in a cage. Yes, exactly. They're looking for customers. So, um... I don't know. I figured I'd just share some advice and some ideas of how these encounters usually go for people that uh, maybe it'll prepare someone out there listening, if that's all right with you. No, by all means. Go right ahead. Uh, I like one of the pieces of advice you give, which is to not not answer their questions and to reply with your own questions. Because even if they ask you uh, an innocuous question, like, do you have a job to do for a living? Uh, Where are you coming from? As soon as you answer that, it's weird. There's a psychological shift. It goes on in your head, and then they they'll follow it up with more questions. Mm-hmm. This is something. Yeah, and it's now, like you've opened the the uh, the floodgates at that point by being cooperative in that way. Then they'll want you to continue cooperating with further questioning. Indeed. Right, and there's there's a psychological mechanism that happens. It's actually, if you ever heard of Robert Cialdini, he did a good um a good book called the uh, Influence of Psychology of Persuasion. One of the ideas is that once you set down on a path of behavior, you're inclined to to follow that behavior without really thinking about it. And so once you answer the question, what do you do for a living, then, you know, gradually, or maybe not so gradually, the questions will get more invasive if they have a reason to suspect you. So I really like your your advice of, of asking questions answer their questions. It can be be tricky, though. It takes practice, and I'm not even, you know, I don't consider myself that good at it because, well, I haven't had too many encounters in which I've uh, had the opportunity to do that. There was one encounter recently where it wasn't a cop. It was just an ornery guy that was leaving an office where he was meeting with a, a bureaucrat, and he was asking me questions, a few questions about, well, who am I, where am I from, and that sort of thing. And I, and I, it's, I did exactly what you were saying. I answered one, and then I answered two more right after that when I should have batted it right back. You know, who are you? Well, when he asked who are you, I should have asked him. I, I might, you know, it's okay to maybe give a one-word answer uh, or be very brief if you feel like you must answer, but then roll that right into a question. So I could have said, well, my name's Ian. Who are you? Instead of just pausing and then waiting for him the next to uh, to ask the next question yeah sure i agree and you say you're not that good at it but i don't think you have to be good at it really you just need to avoid from letting yourself fall into the psychological trap of setting the expectation where you'll answer their question yeah and um, one of the things you can do is take a take a moment you know don't feel 
the obligation, don't feel any obligation to answer quickly. They've asked you a question. Go ahead, take a moment to think about what you should ask back because it's not necessarily something where you've just got a set amount of, of responses or retorts to questions that you can ask back uh, because you don't know what they're going to ask you. So if the cop asks you, what do you do for a living? I, I guess one of the most basic things you could do is turn it right back around on them somehow, but that that could be seen as a little childish. I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to see how things go in different interactions and with different uh, characters. That's why having video cameras and audio recording devices is very useful. Uh, and, of course, one of the, the basic ones that maybe you could have at the ready for any old uh, opportunity is, well, am I free to go? Am I being detained? Am I free to go? You know, officer, I, I you know I appreciate you asking questions, and I know that you're interested in investigating uh, criminal activity, but uh, I don't really have time for this. So, am I free to go? Uh, that might be a way to just kind of deflect any general question that they send your direction, like you know, hey, I've got better things to be doing than having a chit chat with you here on the side of the road. I think um, actually it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's. Something I was going to criticize you about is um, you advise people before if a cop says, "Hey, can I search your car?" and you, you say to answer, or you've advised to say, "I don't have time for this. I want to go." I mean, I don't think you should you should just say, "I don't want you to search my car because I'm a private person." Because they have these all day long. They intimidate people. They're good at it, and we're not in these situations all the time. So we don't know how to handle it. As soon as you say. Oh, I don't have time for this. I got places to be. I got an important meeting. Whatever you say, or just say you want to get out of there, they're going to come back with, well, you know, I could keep you here and call the drug dog. We'll wait around for that. And then if you find something, I'll take everything out of your car put it by the side of the road, and then you got to pack it back up. Yeah, but they or, could say that anyway. I mean, if you just say no, they, they could say, still say, well, we'll call say, the drug dog. Or they'll tell you, like, oh, or if I just find a little bit of weed or something, then I'll just write you a ticket, and you could be out of here in 10 minutes. Like, you know, they've used that line on me. And, so, you know, and now, again, you're, you've already given a justification, and there's a psychological pressure to be consistent with what, with what you said. But if you say, officer, I'm a private person, I don't want you, I don't like strangers going through my things, um, you know, I'd prefer that you don't do that or whatever. So I like you, that. It's a good suggestion. That's a good one. So, that's about it for the time being. I enjoy your show, and I wish you a good night. Thank you for the call. Uh, certainly appreciate hearing from you, Roy. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Have the cops ever asked you uh, to search, Julia, oh, yes. in your encounters? Many times, many times. And how'd it go for you? What did what'd you do? Did you allow well, them? Well, I haven't actually been pulled over since I've adopted my new... Well, I guess they're not really new, but I haven't been pulled over in several years, so I definitely haven't been pulled over since I've had this liberty mindset. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I was terrified of cops. Um, so I've always said yes. And it never resulted in good things. They always yeah, just... How could it? Yeah, they always just trashed the car. I, like, they didn't find anything the time that I got searched. Um, but... They they just leave all your crap on the side of the road, and then, then they're behind you, and you want to get out of there as fast as possible, and you're terrified, so you just throw all the crap in the car and try to get out there as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. It's just a mess to clean up, and it's also kind of, it's I mean, it's degrading to watch someone just dig through your stuff. Some animal, some goon that uh, is, is basically looking for a reason to put you in a cage. Yep. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. So I like Roy's point, just... Don't give any excuses. Just say no. And if you must, then you can explain that you're a private person. 
Thank you very much for the offer. Thanks for the offer, officer, but I'll pass. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Dialing the toll-free number, get on the air here with Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Features that include our Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan there at facebook.freetalklive.com. That again facebook.freetalklive.com we go to gene the christian anarchist in tennessee on the amp line hello gene well hi guys gene what's Um, on your mind tonight well i I heard you guys talking about police actually earlier i heard somebody using my name in vain there but i I didn't get to hear what they were talking about (laughs) i don't recall go ahead with your thoughts i was in a i was in a noisy environment so i didn't quite catch it but uh yeah uh, talking to cops i started over 20 years ago when I learned that uh, you need to always ask if you're being detained. So uh, for over 20 years, I've been using that line quite frequently. And it usually works well if the cop stops you for whatever reason that you don't want to be stopped. You simply ask if you're being detained and they either say yes or no. And if they say no, you say, okay, thank you, and you you go on your way. Yep, because if they're not detaining you, you're free to go. I mean, the question, though, Gene, what if they say yes? Do you then ask for their reasonable, articulable suspicion as to why they're detaining you? I simply ask why. Yeah. Or I would simply ask why. You know, but you don't really have to get legalistic in your, in your response. You just have to say, well, why? Why am I being detained? They say they're doing an investigation. Say, well, what... I don't want to participate in the investigation, you know, or something yeah. <laughs> of that nature. That 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 one YouTube video that I mentioned before about uh, don't talk to cops is an amazing video where the lawyer and the police officer both tell you uh, what you should do. Well, basically, they both say the same thing. You shouldn't say anything to the cops. It mm-hmm. never makes your position better, and mo- and most of the time, it'll make your position worse. So. He well, even says that uh, when you're pulled over, all you should do is roll your window down uh, a couple inches and slip out your driver's license and your uh, registration, and then simply don't say anything. Don't talk to him at all. If he asks you something, just say you don't want to, uh, you know, I choose not to speak, and uh, wait for him to get done doing his business. He slides everything back through the window, and you say, adios, you know, that's it. Because, and he also said don't step out of the car step out of the car, then uh, I guess uh, at that point they can uh, give you a, a breathalyzer test if they want to. Well, what if they what if they order you to exit the vehicle? Well, then uh, if they ordered me to exit the vehicle, I would then say, is that an order? Do I have to exit the vehicle? And mm-hmm. if they then say yes, then I would suppose you have two choices. You could either uh, exit the vehicle and avoid getting or whatever they plan to do to get you out of there. Yep. Or you can say no and call their bluff and see if they're going to get violent. Maybe they won't, but um, you would probably need to make that judgment at the time. Yeah, I, I guess it you know may depend on their attitude, but generally if they're going to be ordering you out of the vehicle, they're not going to have a very friendly demeanor at that point. And so you don't, you don't know what you're dealing with. And you're right, if you stay in the vehicle, then they could very well smash your windshield in or your window in or who knows what. They're definitely going to try to pull the door open. 
uh, to uh, to get you out of there. And if you exit the vehicle on your own volition, and I agree with you asking, is that an order? And then, of course, another good question might be, am I obliged to obey your orders? Of course, that might be too uh, highfalutin for uh, for many police officers, but it's a good question nonetheless. I mean, if, if you can order me around, please explain to me how I am obliged to follow your orders. Uh, and these little tiny cameras, I, I have one that's in the shape of a pen. Mm-hmm. It records video, and I got it on YouTube for about forty bucks. Um, YouTube. Those things are handy. I mean, on uh, eBay. Gotcha. Excuse me. Uh, for about forty bucks, and those things would be handy to have in your car and ready to go at a moment's notice. But the, the thing I don't like about those things is they all rec- they all have rechargeable batteries, and I would prefer something like that with a disposable battery, so that you can always have a fresh battery to put in there. The rechargeable. Mm-hmm you have the additional headache of making sure that it's properly recharged all you know every month you got to take it out of your car and charge it up and make sure that's, that's one of the reasons why I really like having uh, my smartphone. I've got a I've got a BlackBerry. Of course, there are a variety of different brands out there, and of course now you can get Quick.com streaming. And there soon, I think there's going to be one coming out from UStream at some point. So there's going to be some competition in this market, which is great news. Uh, but yeah, it, that but is an excellent idea. I for love me, that it's idea. a it's we, an for me it's like an insurance policy, Gene. I mean, I remember I used to just have like the cheapest phone plan you could have. I had the forty dollar a month plan with the two hundred minutes, just the cheapest phone plan. And then to in order to get a data plan that has unlimited data, which is what you need if you're going to have one of these things, it doubled my cost on my phone bill, so I had to pay an extra forty bucks a month. But for me, that's pe- that's peanuts if I actually do get into a situation. If something occurs and I could benefit from having a cell phone with video capability streaming live to the internet, then paying $40 a month to have that ability if I need it is a, is a worthwhile investment. That's the, that's the way I see it. Plus, once I actually started to uh, get into the, the smartphone and, and actually explore it, it's a really handy thing to be able to have email and things like that all at your, all at your fingertips. It's well worth the you know, doubling the cost on the phone bill just for the insurance aspect alone of having that ability to, uh, to get the, uh, the video out from your phone instantly or semi-instantly, close to darn instantly, to the Internet. Uh, and then you get all the other perks of having essentially unlimited Internet access in the palm of your hand. It's pretty spiffy. Yeah, I wish uh, my older cell phone were supported in that it's not. So maybe uh, I might upgrade to the new pre-phone and try well, that one. When you are upgrading, make sure you take a look on eBay. I saved a few hundred bucks because normally when you want to go, if you go through your cell phone company, you're under a contract. Uh, they're going to ask you to extend by a year or two in order to get a discount on a new smartphone. But even if I were to have extended my contract a couple of years, the the smartphone price from Sprint was still higher than what I paid for on eBay. Getting one ascent was a brand new phone on eBay. You have to be a little careful that you don't get one from some scam artist that's uh, sending you one with a bad ESN. But if you get one from that's you know somebody that's got a, a high rating on eBay, you, you're pretty safe, and you can oh, save yeah. hundreds of I dollars. I paid two hundred fifty dollars for my smartphone. I mean, on the scale of cell phones, that's not that expensive. Yeah, I buy lots of things on eBay. By the way, for uh, back to police uh, conduct. Um, Probably a lot of your listeners don't know that I go to China every year, pretty much, and uh, the uh, I would they probably haven't heard me talk about the police officers in China, and the, the police officers in China actually get chewed out on a regular basis by the people that they're harassing. Mm-hmm. And 
it's pretty common over there for a police officer to have to deal with an irate person who's calling them names and and uh, not being cooperative in the in receiving whatever admonition the police officer is trying to give them, and but they don't use the tactics that our police officers use in uh, trying to domineer the person and taser them and wrestle them to the ground and arrest them. I mean, they do certainly do arrests over there in China, but their attitude and demeanor is so much more uh, uh, docile. Well, docile, they're just more uh, civilized, basically. Less you know, threatening. Our officers are totally uncivilized. They act like a bunch of brutes. And, um, <laughs> not well, all of them. They're not all a bunch of brutes. But yes, I definitely okay, see well, where you're coming yeah, from. I, and I think, I that, I think what you're like, saying there, Gene, flies in the face of what a lot of people presume to be the case about China. I think a lot of people presume that things are more tyrannical over there. Plus, the cops over there don't have guns and they don't have tasers, so they're less likely to kill you. That's a great point. Gene, thanks for the call. As always, appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Now, one of the questions that I kind of wrestle with a little bit, and I'm sure other activists do as well, when it comes to recording the police, if they're pulling you over, is there truth to the claim that some have made that, well, if you record the police then the police may feel as though they have to go by the book and actually hit you with a fine or hit you with a citation when they otherwise might not have. So are you actually risking, uh, are you more likely to get a ticket from a cop if you pull out a camera and start recording him when he approaches your vehicle? I don't know if there's any truth to that. Maybe there is. But then again, if you are interested in appeasing the police in the first place, you're probably not even considering taking a camera with you or doing anything like that. More coming up. You bring up whatever you want in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. If you want to take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. That's the point of the program. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here. And Julia. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, and use it to get on more radio stations across the country. As we uh, just mentioned, we're on 107.1 FM now in uh, Plattsburgh, uh, New York, and also, uh, I guess, also uh, Burlington, Vermont. So welcome aboard to them. And, of course, it was the Free Talk Live AMP program that helped place advertisements in industry publications and such that helps bring stations like uh, like that on board. So please become an amplifier. For 3 bucks a month, you'll get perks. Uh, at amp.freetalklive.com. Get perks like uh, access to the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, apparently Scott in Massachusetts, Scott the Bigot, is on the line with us, wanting to bring us a little hate to round out the evening tonight. Scott, uh, what's on your mind? How are you doing, uh, gentlemen, and, and Julia? Uh, you know, you talk, you talk about the U.S. government infringing on our uh, on our rights. I agree with you absolutely. It is insidious, and uh, it's also in our face as well. Uh, what I find very uh, disturbing is this hate crimes legislation. 
uh, where uh, where you uh, where everyone is is labeled as a racist. It, it, white people can't say anything derogatory about blacks, but blacks can say something derogatory about whites and get away with it. Uh, a lot of this I blame with the Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith. But I find not only that, but so many things insidious and, and, and pervasive in our government. From the Federal Reserve, I find very disturbing the money, the control of the money. You know, before you go on, Scott, I just want to interject here that you and I might actually agree to some extent on this. I think that no matter how despicable your speech might be, you should be able to speak it uh, as long as you're in a place where you're allowed to do that. And this is a show where you pretty much can say anything, no matter how nasty. Uh, of course, it has to be within FCC guidelines. Otherwise, we'll dump the you know dump the, the audio. I understand. But uh, but I think that you should be free to be a, a hate-filled bigot and spew your hate all across uh, wherever the hell you want to spew it, whether it's on the corner of the street or on the uh, on the radio. You should be able to do that because I think that if you start suppressing that, I think that if that is uh, if if this free speech is removed, if it's prevented, if people are afraid to speak out. It doesn't actually make hate go away. It doesn't allow you to easily identify those who, uh, who are bigots. And I think there's value in being able to know who those people are. For instance, Scott, if you showed up at some sort of uh, public event, I wouldn't want to associate with you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near you because I know because of what you've said that I find what you have to say distasteful and despicable. And so therefore I can make the decision to ostracize you. I can decide to not involve myself with you in any way, shape, or form besides allowing you to make yourself look like a, you know, a bigot on my radio show and therefore uh, you know, make a fool of yourself all on your own. Uh, if you can't be free to do those things, then all it does is just push that hate and push that anger underground. It makes it it probably will make it more uh, dangerous uh, of a situation for those people that are – and I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the world a more pleasant place. And that's – you know, that's – I think that's a laudable goal. Who doesn't want to live in a more pleasant world? Uh, but you don't get to that end goal by forcing people to behave in a way that, that you think is appropriate. So I'd like to say that while I don't agree with the things that you say, I do think that you should be free to speak them. If uh, not for any other reason, then people can know what your true colors are. And your true colors, Scott, are yellow. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're a bigot. What I'd like to say, what I find in our government very disturbing, and, and I know I don't have much time, it, it, it runs the whole gamut from, from foreign policy, where the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee controls and directs U.S. foreign policy, Goldman Sachs and the Federal Reserve printing up trillions of dollars uh, to our worthless currency and holding the American people captive to this, to, to this, to this, uh, this, this, this blackmail. It's really economic blackmail. Our communist health care system, three, the media, all of our media, which is controlled by, by the Jews, the New York Times, the Boston Globe, ABC, NBC, CBS, the filth that comes out of Hollywood to, to force us to accept homosexuality, politi six, political correctness, diversity, equality, liberalism, civil rights for blacks, Hispanics. Why don't you, you know, all you guys do, yeah. you, you bigots, all you do is complain and complain, the Jews this, the Jews that, the Jews are in control. And the blacks. Why don't you, the blacks are in control? No, the blacks are just a front. The Jews control the blacks. <laughs> I'm the, sure. The, the, they, 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 they're behind all the civil rights. They're behind why Obama's <sighs> in the White House. Why don't you just 
go out and start your own television station. I mean, there's what's stopping you from doing that? I'll tell you what's stopping me from doing it. What's stopping me is that there's such a mind frame, mind frame in this country, so weak-minded, where this hippie polit- political correctness garbage, where white people, white Christian people are looked upon as the enemy, whereas blacks and Hispanics and Jews... They're, they're welcome as, 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 as the liberators. Where the do you people, hear this, this from? This country's all upside down. Where, where do you get this, uh, these ideas? I mean, th- that uh, white people are looked on as the enemy. What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is this. White people in this country have become relegated to 10th-rate citizens because <laughs> of the Anti-Defamation League and the homosexual and lesbian movement. 10th-rate citizens. Liberalism. When I look at the government people, Scott, all I see are a bunch of white people. I mean, white people are the majority in most things in uh, in business, and because the population is just that way, they're just the majority, so inevitably they're going to show up. To suggest that white people are tenth-rate citizens, I think, is just ludicrous right on its face. I mean, Julia, do you feel tenth-rate? No, but I'm not a Christian. He said white Christians. Oh, Christians. Our gun laws are being, people are getting their guns taken away from them. Our new world order, is it just white Christians to... that are uh, tenth-rate citizens, or is it white Christians that hate other people for their belief systems that are tenth-rate? Oh no, the white Christians are the, are the victims. We've been victimized. Do you consider in this so? You said we. You consider yourself a Christian? Yes. Do you think? Do you think uh, Jesus was, order, wasn't Jesus a Jew? should be changed to he the certainly new, wasn't to white. The new world order. Wait, wait, wasn't Jesus a Jew though? And and yes, Jesus was a, Jesus was not a Jew. Jesus was a was was a Brit what is a British Israelite. Wasn't he Cut, brown? He was wasn't Jesus Aryan. brown? It, Jesus was an Aryan. By what evidence do you have? He was born in the Middle East. The Jews are the mud people. The Jews are not oh, are not gosh. are not by any way of the imagination. They are not part of the white Christian race and Jesus was not a Jew. Jesus Why was an Aryan. Why is a Christian to hate other people for their belief systems? How can you good, how can you call yourself a Christian? It's good to hate things that are bad for you. You'd hate diabetes if the doctor told you diabetes. No, it's not good to hate things. No, it's not. It's uh, because uh, hate does not punish anybody else but yourself, Scott. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Julia, sometimes I get on your case because you'll use the term hate. Uh, and I just think it's it's a harsh word, and there's no benefit to an individual to feel hate towards something. Or, or I mean, I don't like what the government does, but I'm and it's easy to say that I hate it, but I just try to actively move away from that feeling. There's no benefit. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that this guy who just called is really full of hate. <laughs> I mean, yes. obviously he was spewing it. But I don't think it's fair for you to criticize me when I say I hate somebody when I'm just angry and venting yeah. and obviously it's just a figure of speech you don't you don't like continue if i on say i'm hate. gonna kill someone i'm not really gonna kill anybody so when you say you hate somebody it's temporary you don't necessarily continue your hatred uh, seething all the time well, you don't actually, wake up in the morning thinking about how much you hate people uh, there is somebody in particular who i i do hate i believe but i don't think about it often at all. i don't think about it at all Why i don't not? think i think you can hate somebody without thinking about it all the time and dwelling on it yeah yeah, yeah, I just I just don't feel like it's uh, it's productive to you necessarily. I I think that maybe shifting toward pity is a little bit more. Uh, it, it'll help I don't you feel think a that better. it's a big doesn't matter at all. I don't I don't think it's an issue at all. Okay. I don't harbor hate. I'm not a hateful person. I don't think about it or dwell on it. But I can say I hate somebody. Sure. Let's go to Ray in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ray. Uh, good evening. Yeah, I just. Uh 
interesting listening to this conversation, this last conversation. I didn't call about this. But... Right. Well, that anybody can call themselves a Christian and then continue on preaching hate toward other people because of their color or because of uh, their, you know, their religious preference just doesn't seem very Christian to me. And, I, and there are a lot no, of Christians that I'm... are like that. I'm a Christian, and I would hate to I would hate to identify myself with that person, even though that I do agree with a few of his uh, aspects. But uh, you mean you like know, his points Jesus, on the Federal Jesus Reserve or something? Jesus definitely taught love and not hate. Yeah, forgiveness, though, compassion, love, absolutely. Right. Yeah, but even though uh, God is a God of justice, you know that's definitely something that. You know, he's the same, the same, the same God that made heaven also created hell. Well, that's that's your belief system. Right. I don't, I don't subscribe to it. And, and you know what? I know you called for a different reason. Call us back tomorrow night. Top of the show. We'll take your call then. Out of time for tonight. Ben Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can uh, bring up anything on Free Talk Live, but not now because we're done. See you tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAmail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAmail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit dnamail.com and join the evolution. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.